Life is a collection of random occurrences. Christ, what are we doing here again? What the hell are you thinking, man? I, I don't know. I, I, I take no responsibility over the proceedings. We are once again back in Poland and once again dealing with Catholicism. Of all goddamn things. Hmm. I like to pick my targets well. Tonight, indeed, we return to Poland. Without a guest. This time, uh, this is a film by Jan Komasa. We haven't touched on Jan Komasa before, but he might be just the hottest director in Poland right now, and somewhat in the international circles every now and then. Have you seen any films from Jan Komasa, Henrik? Uh, once again, we are dealing with with Polish film industry, which by default means that this is your show. No, oh. I have not. I have no experience with Komasa, and I also have no experience with the actors of the film. Before we dive in, what's the general mood of the night? How is it going in the Santa Claus city? Well, Santa Claus is most de- definitely off and cancelled at, at this point. Turn out that the bearded fuck had also contracted COVID-19. And, well, if, if the signs are correct, Christmas will be cancelled. Thank uh, God. Well, I hope the reindeers opened the bars for you already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no chance in hell. In lively old Poland, they opened the bars. You don't need to wear the mask to drink, but uh, it's not really the same thing. I, I, I'm fairly certain that in lively old Poland, they never even closed the bars. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I'm Karim. I studied media. If you didn't know, he's Henrik. He studies art. This is what the show is about. We review mostly international films every week here for your listening pleasure. We're two, well, frankly, crazy Finns. And we met a long time ago originally, just decided that the best idea in the world is to put up a film podcast. <laughs> we've been stuck here ever since. Uh, in, in international film podcast where you first review a bunch of films from either from Italian talking countries or, or French talking countries and then you shift into Slavic Slavic language countries which means that well give us one or two more episodes and most likely the theme song of the podcast will will has turned into a hard boss remix don't worry the Indian musicals are right around the corner <laughs> We still haven't touched on India, we still haven't touched on a lot of places. Where would you like to travel? We have been to quite a lot of places, but um, China we could get into. We haven't had an actual Chinese film ever here yet. No, we we have dealt with both Koreas and Japan. Yeah, and Hong Kong. And and Hong Kong. We which is which is technically and officially as as God allows it, a part of China. 
So we have also, also there with China. Never happened. No. All right. This podcast is sponsored by Jesus Christ himself, since he has nothing better to do at the moment. If you prefer things this way, you can find us also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And we have, of course, the quite new website, theflicklab.com. But I'm pretty sure that you can listen to us in a more easier fashion by just going to your favorite podcast player, whatever it, be. it would be, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever floats your boat. I don't really know. But why to watch this film now, Henrik? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this is some, some kind of a recuperation on your behalf of the Don Camillo episode. This is uh, also the day of Corpus Christi when this uh, episode comes out and it just so happens that the film's name is Corpus Christi. So finally we have some, something topical here. You can't really complain. <laughs> it, it, it took almost two years, but we managed to be topical. <laughs> <clears throat> this is also a good episode reminder for Henrik to see what are the consequences of becoming a fake priest. <laughs> I I, uh, I I I detest your notion. I'm not a fake priest. It's it's a it, it's a legally binding document. Well, you almost were. What's your history with this film? Might be kind of a short-lived. Extremely short-lived. <laughs> Seen it once for this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I I bought it a while back, out of curiosity, since I knew some of the earlier works of the director and. Because of this nomination for the Academy Awards and the 92nd Academy and, and because of the interesting themes, frankly. I believe this is also something that Henrik would really like to tackle and uh, dive into. So I must confess, I was somewhat surprised to, to see that you actually recommended that we, we watch this this specific film. Well, we, we have been talking about about religion and more specifically about Christianity and Christian faith. And the sentiments have been somewhat critical in in the pa- past. Uh, there ha- has been... Verbs ha- have been said, so, so to speak. And the, the notion I've, I've always gotten from your end is that you are quite critical of, of Christianity and mm-hmm. the film today's film on the other hand at least I feel so actually take paints a pretty warm and pretty kind of a pretty embracing light about religion and more specifically about Catholicism. It could go either way. This is kind of film that has religion all over it, but even as a non religious person you can very much enjoy it and the themes that are surrounding it are still universal and I found that the film on occasions actually quite many occasions did try to challenge the the status quo that is in the village and uh, the kind of uptight approach to, to church or certain relationships perhaps certain but most definitely not all like I, I would say, spoilers to the following discussions. But I, I would say that today's film it is critical, critical of some aspects of of Catholicism, but it's not critical of Catholicism itself. Yeah, yeah. This is a a very thought provoking film. You can find uh, several directions here. 
I found a lot of parallels also to my own life here because since I always wanted to LARP, but in a serious way like depicted here, not like Henrik does it, dressed in the forest as a Xena, the warrior princess. <laughs> Yelling lightning bolt. And riding a cardboard horse. Yeah, I, 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 kind of, I, I was certain that this, this was a movie that reminded you of, of your days back in the juvenile penitentiary and that one time when, when you dressed up as a priest. <laughs> I'm not confessing anything. <laughs> no, no, ba- ba- back in those days, people confessed to you. I'm not in the business of confession. It's the universe of this film. So, film overview. This is, uh, as stated, directed by this famous Polish director Jan, Jan Komasa, written by Mateusz Patsevich with uh, some consultation help from Krzysztof Rak. Uh, the director read the script and wanted to add some more emphasis to the backstory for Daniel in the form of his troubled past. The production met with controversy also, as uh, there was a man who came forward and claimed that the movie was based on his real-life experiences, which the producers then, after ignoring him for some time, claimed that it was not. Interestingly, the writer Mateusz Patsevich and others have revealed that the fraud in priesthood is fairly common phenomena in Poland, at least now, and that every couple of months a new case is discovered. I believe the director himself mostly pointed that out. And this is apparently a phenomena about the need of the underprivileged to gain social status and respect. Is that what you you were doing, Henrik? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Fucking shots fired (laughs) I'm on a specific mood today And I'm going to take all the joy out of it (laughs) Director Jan Komasa So it's an artistic family Once again his parents and siblings are in the entertainment industry And his father played a role in Schindler's List Jan Komasa got inspired by that Watching the film crew there And meeting Steven Spielberg even which led to him to consider filmmaking as a career path. Unsurprisingly, he went and graduated from the famous National Film School of Łódź, a little outside of Warsaw, the big city next to Warsaw, and went on to win the third place with his short film at the Cannes Film Festival in a particular category, and more wins later followed with another short film around several film festivals, and the rest is history. He has directed four feature films. Out of these, I have seen three. And Warsaw 44 might be his most successful film to date. It depicts the struggles and fighting of the Warsaw Uprising during the Second World War. It's a really an interesting film stylistically. You see kind of an extreme slow motion, lots of digital effects, kind of the old world of filmmaking perhaps meeting with the matrix era of filmmaking you know there's like so ch- jumps from the side so put it in other terms it's 300 minus the male nudity hmm pretty much corpus christi of course is the film that we're tackling today and his latest film is the hater hater it's about law student who gets into all sorts of trouble somehow manages to become an employee of a PR company 
which plays political games against uh, certain opponents. And the film shows how far-reaching the consequences of political games can be. And I thought it might be sending some very strong opinions on the current state of politics in Poland. I'm not quite sure on that, but this film was hit by the COVID-19. It came to theaters and six days later, after the premiere, it was taken out because all the cinemas were shot here in Poland. <laughs> but I was uh, fortunate enough to see it before it was shut down. Now, just about two weeks ago, we heard that Netflix has acquired the rights to the film and the film will be released globally in July, except in Poland. Uh-huh. <laughs> because that's how logic operates. <laughs> Damn those film rights. And his first film was A Suicide Room. And it's kind of some kind of a spiritual sequel. Oh, the first part of uh, Sala Samobuitsuv series. Suicide Room being the first and The Hater the second part. In The Suicide Room, it was about this gay guy who is uh, struggling with his identity and, and uh, you know, that kind of a film. Regarding the awards of the tonight's film, it won 11 Polish Academy Awards, including the Best Film category, Best Director, Best Actor, Best, Best, Best. It also won several other domestic awards. And at the Chicago International Film Festival and Stockholm International Film Festival, Bartosz Bielenia, the lead actor, won the Best Actor accolade. Alrighty then. That is the facts, ma'am. Anything else before we dive in? No, let's just dive straight in. Hmm. Who knows? I might do something else as well. Since my brain is on overdrive, I'm trying to combine all the four Komasa movies later, lately and <clears throat> their themes. And I think I'd you know, love to make with you, Henrik, a film out of it. There would be a fake gay priest during the Second World War who finds love from a suicidal gay inmate and together they would join the Warsaw Uprising and the Matrix. And then when the communists take over, the gay couple makes the communist party self-destruct by an effective PR campaign which is there to defame, denigrate the party, leading to its immediate collapse in the early 1950s. So it's a win-win end result for everybody. You know, Poland would get its independence really quick. Uh, they would they would celebrate the homosexuals as no else than gods. And Jan Komasa would have directed the first Matrix. That that's, sounds like a dumpster fire and a clusterfuck, or both combined. This collaboration is going nowhere. <laughs> so, of course, I'm in. All right. Well, good. What about, uh, you know, during the midsummer? <laughs> no, I think Why I the just... fuck not? <laughs> really? Really? Like, I, I, I have no excuses why we couldn't try it. I, hell, I, I, I can even, even try to write the script, script for the film, seeing how I actually have no fucking background information about goddamn Poland. <laughs> Well, then, then it would give like fresh, refreshing aspect to the script, <laughs> a little artistic it, it, freedom. It, it, it would it would be like Coriolanus. It would take place in a in a place calling itself Poland. But we would be completely banned from coming to Poland ever again in our lives. And wouldn't be a problem for me. Yeah, that's okay, probably for me, because. 
before this episode comes out, I just might be out of the country already. <laughs> what? what they're all, 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 already sick of you. <laughs> you you have been there what what five five years, years? Yeah. five years yeah. Uh, I think um, I've been keeping a low profile, but uh, if somebody ever from Poland happens to listen to these episodes about Polish movies, uh, I'm surprised that it has taken this long that the policia hasn't been knocking on my door. Filming locations. So this was filmed in the very, very southern parts of Poland, in the southeast small town of Jasliska, in the Carpathian Mountains region, in the Podkarpatskie Voivodship. We start the film with the workstead Henrik. Our hero Daniel is helping with the abuse of a kid. Now let me point my finger already. Like Daniel is the least believable bully in the entire planet. Well, he he's a bully who looks like he's about to, about to start to cry at any given minute. Hey, yeah, especially when there's uh, beautiful music playing. But why is Daniel Daniel acting like like this way? Is it because he's trying to just play along, not to get into trouble with the actual bullies? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Daniel mostly, when it comes to juvenile penitentiary scenes in in the film, Daniel is mostly just a patsy or or someone who does the crowd work. Like for example, in in the opening bullying scene, well, essentially Daniel himself doesn't take any direct part in in the act of bullying. He's just keeping eye at the door so and and preparing to give the signal to the actual police once mm. the teacher returns back to the premises. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> Henrik, did you ever play Super Mario 64? Oh, exactly once or twice. Mm. I ha- I have a like like hour or hour and a half combined with that game. Okay, I owned it. I was uh, asking for Sega Saturn for Christmas. And then I saw that Nintendo 64 is coming out and it has the Super Mario 64. Then I went to my dad like, Dad, Dad, I want also Nintendo 64. And I was like, oh, come on, get the fuck out of here. And then one day after school, it just was there. <laughs> because Okay, well, did, did that <laughs> game also had had juvenile kids having their pants put, down, put, put on the, uh, around their ankles? Rhetorically speaking, yeah. There is this uh, lava level. What was it again? And Mario had to fight this ball-shaped monsters that are actually bombs. <laughs> uh, bombs they were called. And they were called, called bullies, the big bullies. And that's the time that I learned the word bully in English language, ladies and gentlemen. Really important. So so, so bullies have big balls. That's... Uh, See, kids, this is why Nintendo, not even once. <laughs> oh, my... That's what you learn from an Italian plumber stuck in a Nintendo Japanese video game. Get that, a... that's, that, that sounds like a synopsis for a porn film. <laughs> we, 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 we have an Italian plumber, there's a princess, there's a dungeon, and the whole thing is made by Japanese. But yeah, we're in the Catholic Youth Correctional Facility. There's a lot of emotions, pain, rage, violence. Then we get to this. Would you describe it as a mass? You know, there's, there's the priest talking... Well, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking everybody's a comedic today. 
But yeah, the priest says, the priest Thomas, that they are not here to pray mechanically. Nobody should be. The star actor, Daniel, really kind of does look like the priest. He keeps smiling and they have this connection going on. And anger, fear, hurt are the thematics. Then the, uh, Daniel sings the, the Lord is my shepherd in front of them. And there's a close-up on the guy with a tattoo on his neck who will be a problem later. This uh, David Fincher, what, what is this guy's name? Spincher, Slincher, Tincher. Spincher, something, something, something. Yeah, that guy. Seen with the bonus in canteen. Bonus is not something that they collect daily as uh, like daily money, but it's a guy no, who bo- is... Bonus is a well-known cigarette brand. That too. That too. I like what. Well, once again, we are we are doing d- dealing with with the juveniles, and everybody's name is com- completely goddamn retarded. <laughs> like, like you, you have bonus, you have Coca Cola, and somewhere ar- around around the mess hall, you have also Slash News. And Pampers. And Pampers. But uh, this guy, this guy, Bonus, is just trying to stir shit. He's not happy that Daniel has less time left in the facility, as I understand it. And this is apparently, we don't know really their history. This is something that they could have built a little bit more because it just happens that they have some kind of problem, which is not opened up. But this... It's implied later on in the film that that Daniel is is doing time for murder, which most likely, or, or, or once again, it's implied that the murder was gang-related. Like, Daniel has killed someone to earn quote-unquote gang credit. And that someone who Daniel has killed would have been Bonus's brother. So there would be this kind of a blood feud going on between Bonus and Daniel, where Bonus feels that he has to avenge his brother. Whose name is Bingo? Who, who, whose name is Bingo and is, is never actually properly introduced as, as a background character to the film. In fact, Daniel's whole crime for what he's doing time for, and which is supposed to be a major hindrance to Daniel and something that, that labels Daniel for the rest of his life as a fuck-up, it's something that is brought up exactly once in the film and then hinted at for for the second time. Here we have Priest giving his number to Daniel as Daniel is about to go to the sawmill, which is a little bit of a bus ride away. Priest also shares with him that uh, his criminal history is a disqualifier for becoming a priest. Not sure where this exactly was mentioned, but it's somewhere there. The film establishes the personal issues of Daniel. He likes to party hard, takes drugs, but tries to follow his calling throughout the film. It's kind of a coming-off story between two characters, a transitional character and a film, wouldn't you say? It is that. It's also something that I found to be surprisingly close to the Dead Poet Society, which we have Mm -hmm. covered earlier like there, there is the sim- similar dynamic the uh, enlightened individual against stuck up and and harsh institution and and that individual kind of triumphing over the institution at the end uh yeah 
And in kind of both films, the lead character never really gets what he wants, as far as I now remember. No, in in both both cases, the uh, institution at least formally wins over the individual. The individual manages to kind of heal the institution from within. In in Dead Poets, the teacher manages to help his students to open up and kind of find themselves. Something that would have been impossible for them. Had it not been for the teacher, had the students just followed the institution's uh, route of doing things. And in Corpus Christi, Daniel... In the end, manages to kind of heal the the wound, the emotional scar that that lies within the town itself, and manages to make the town townspeople accept each other once more. This way, building a more healthy town, more healthy institution. But uh, but in in both films, eventually the enlightened individual is driven out. From the institution, the Robin Williams teacher is is being kicked out, and Daniel ends up being taken back to the juvenile correction facility. Yeah, it's the same story here. Enlightened person. I do believe that um, Daniel does learn something through this experience, but it's not turning to his advantage, at least in the end of the film. Well, it it might turn into his advantage in a in an emotional way it it's it's hard to say because the film kind of the film is open ended mm. you don't really know how life is going to play out for daniel after the end credits and you don't really know what happens to daniel himself at the, during the final scene of the film uh, but you can kind of read it the way that Daniel somehow manages to shed off his status as a as a juvenile scumbag and and finds he, his self worth, realizes that he can actually have an have a positive effect on 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 his surroundings and the people around him, and perhaps. Like said, very open-ended, but perhaps there is a chance that at the end of the film, Daniel either escapes the juvenile correctional facility or or just finds some kind of a better future awaiting for him once he's being processed and released from the institution. It's yeah. it's hard to say. Daniel runs towards to something. What that something is, is never actually shown. We can discuss it if there's something more at the end of the film, but essentially, yeah, the film comes full circle by the end. Let's talk a little bit about Bartosz Bartosz Bielenia. He is also a stage actor and indeed in 2020 won the Shooting Star Award for the Best Young European Actor. Found some reviews that said, quote, resembling a male skeletal Angelina Jolie. Okay. Uh, Humorously injecting new New Testament thinking from AshevilleMovies.com, this one. Daniel is a character that I believe wants to be respected by the society and wants to find his place, and this is the journey. We will come back to the other actors shortly. But there's a party going on, drinking, drugs, sex, sort of kind of graphical, well, normal level of graphical in Poland. 
and then hits a guy in the face for unknown reason, or did you find the reason? Uh, the guy was trying to grab the the priest collar that Daniel has stole has stolen, and Daniel was kind of um, defending uh-huh. the collar his his priest's shirt. Daniel now gets to the bus. He's asked to put the smoke out by the police, or I think it's rather the toy police, uh, Strash Mieska. This uh, kind of a secondary police. I, I think we don't have anything like that in Finland. Anyway, I call it the toy police. No, we only on, only have the official beaks. <laughs> he says that he can detect you scum anywhere. And I feel that this is something defining here that changes his course from going to the sawmill and instead goes to being a priest. He wants to be something, prove his worth. He arrives to the town, sees a picture memorial for the victims of something that happened and later we find out that these are the victims of a uh, two vehicle collision right uh, two two cars collide yep this event then traumatized the town and it's a symbol for the 2010 smolensk air disaster in which 96 people were killed and among many polish politicians including the president lech kaczynski and his wife any story times about smolensk air disaster or do you want me to go ahead with that yeah, please tell me more. Never heard about that incident. Okay, so this is something that really, really shocked Poland. This is the Smolensk air disaster that was extremely traumatic for the Polish society. Lech Kaczynski, his identical twin brother, Jarosław Kaczynski, is also the current leader of the leading political party in Poland called Law and Justice that you might know from the news. He's seen as the most influential politician in Poland. And there's a lot of rumors swirling around this guy. And I don't want to spend too much time on politics on this podcast, for God's sakes. But uh, let's just say that uh, he's often considered as the de facto leader of Poland, whose influence of power regularly overruns everyone inside his party, really. He's the, he could be even described as the leader of a puppet party, if you will, to be quite brutally honest in this podcast. But the point being, this flight, Smolensk uh, air disaster, this plane was going uh, to the memorial site in Katyn, in modern-day Russia. And on the way there, something happened, and the plane caught up in flames, and 96 people died, including the president of Poland and the wife, and several politicians. And of course, this started a lot of heavy emotions towards the Russians. First of all, they weren't willing to give the parts of the plane to inspections to Poland. And there were a lot of kind of questionable parts in that nobody was kind of sure what happened on that flight. And Poland started to essentially blame Russia. And... I think it changed the course of Polish politics also for the more rougher direction internationally. And uh, I think for the most part, Poland is kind of alone in this situation in a sense that they have their own beliefs of what happened, at least some of them up there do. And uh, many from the outside are looking like this is something that just should be let go at this point because it's not going anywhere. So it was never officially 
concluded the investigation or, 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 or the question, was it Russia's fault or was it not? The, the evidence is pointing more to the direction that it was some kind of a on-air accident. Daniel arrives to the town indeed and there's a church. He goes in, mass already came and went. Next is in the morning. The young girl, Elisa, presumes that uh, he is working at the sawmill. Daniel insists that he doesn't, claims he's a priest, shows the priest color and cassock. Elisa then tries to introduce Daniel to the town vicar. So Daniel tries to escape unnoticed and doesn't work. From there on in, he keeps playing the part and meets the father in his house. Father Wojciech Gowomp. He's testing Daniel, asking all these questions like pilgrimage from parish to parish. Eh? You've been ordained recently? From which seminary? But he's lucky to choose a seminary that the father didn't attend to. Yeah, I'm not completely certain about that. The, the common consensus between uh, w- w- with the audiences of, of the film seems to be that, that Daniel manages to lie his way through these questionings, hmm. but I, I I'm not completely sure uh, sure about that. I I kind of uh, fr- from the characters I kind of got the reading that like for example here the vicar actually does caught Daniel on a lie and and does realize that that he's not who he claims to be, but just doesn't press on the matter. Just just lets the lie slide. And I I kind of felt that that was something that many of the characters were doing throughout the film. You raise a good point. Probably he was just uh, trying to get out of the situation for a while, take a little break, go somewhere. We find out that uh, this father has also other weaknesses, so to say. Like he asks, uh, did you sometimes manage to escape? Well, he's trying to level with Daniel that I'm the same as you. Something like this. Offers also Quinn's liquor. And they shortly touch on the tragedy that happened in the town. But but he doesn't yet explain what it is about. And now there's uh, also the Lydia, the, the sexton in the corner, just looking, the older lady, keeping an eye on the two. And they discuss and the priest offers him a bed for the night. There's a shopping for cigarettes and kids are looking to be disapproving towards the new young priest. And we have the board that we return to several times throughout the film. People praying around the, the picture board. And Daniel goes back to his room and then Father Thomas tries to call. Daniel cancels the call. Interestingly, this is the only shown situation where they try to contact him via phone. And after that, they are apparently doing a pretty lazy job in trying to locate Daniel. Because... There could be places where you could look for him. Yeah, nobody really seems to put on any effort to to locate Daniel and see where he's going. When Daniel finally gets caught up on 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 the on his life and his cover is blown, that also happens simply. Well, in the end, simply through happenstance, simply because one one of one of his friends. Air quotation marks from the juvenile correctional facility just happens to come into the same town and happens to recognize Daniel and eventually rats him out and that's when when the priest and and basically those people who should be looking at, looking 
after Daniel, but checking out where he has disappeared all of a sudden, why he hasn't shown up on the goddamn sawmill. That's the moment when they they finally show up and actually take some kind of action in the film. Yeah, 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 true. Um, but regarding these uh, bad habits of the, the father, now we get to the, the scene where in the morning they're trying to lift father back on his bed because he has fallen apparently as uh, in some kind of a drunken accident. Could be any kind of accident, but the, the message that is given to the audience is that definitely the guy was drunk. Leader the Sexton says he doesn't drink, though. Well, there is the moment where the father says that he doesn't want to drink with Daniel because it's unhealthy for him, but maybe the father is weak. Daniel agrees to do the confession session on the father's behalf, and here we go back to the church. The crowd is a bit hesitant to go inside to the church before the priest. It seems that there are some, let's say, stuck-up habits here that, that could need some upgrades, as Daniel does. There's a lot of this laconic humor here. He reads a confession guide online, and an old lady who hits her son comes to confess, talks about cigarette smoking, and then concludes that to take your son biking, this is the solution. Yeah, well, obviously, whatever they have tried previously hasn't worked. And obviously, hitting your son in the head for cigarette smoking isn't working also. Yeah, maybe they should just instead grab a bunch of weed, smoke it together, forget about it all. Well, that that could be the healthier alternative. Yeah, talking with the priest, father is opening up about his mortal sin, and father asks Daniel to replace him for only a couple of days. And gets his new room as uh, Vicar is away. But it's a less comfortable lodging than where the Vicar would normally stay. Here we cut to the morning again. He makes an etiquette mistake immediately. He is uh, starting up the ceremony, but the, the music is about to kick in first. Uh, basically, this is all copied lines from Father Thomas. Calls himself as dirt as compared to Jesus, which seems to upset some of the crowd. Kind of, let's say, unorthodox uh, situations like this pop up, while Lydia looks quite pleased eventually with the mass. She kind of goes back and forth, suspicious, relieved. Uh, Sita, she... Essentially, she is the embodiment of the stuck-up ways of of the village. Yeah. And and through her her character, you kind of see the back and forth that the village takes emotionally as they slowly accept Daniel's more radical teachings and embrace the route that, in the end, helps them to achieve kind of a emotional wholeness or or an emotional healing but of course there there is going to be the the whole well it sounds nice but this is the way we have done things in our village for the last 20 years so we are not going to accept the new ways even though the new ways also appear pretty damn tempting and at times even better than the, how we have done things in the past. This is basically the whole kind of a concept that goes on inside Lydia and our 
express to the audience through her character. Yeah, let's stop here for a second. We actually saw this uh, actor already, actress already in the podcast in the in the name of episode, the Imia, where she played Adam's sister. I completely missed that. Yeah, I couldn't remember that all. I, I just uh, was thinking that this uh, this is a rather familiar face. Alexandra Konieczna. Uh, she has won the Polish Film Award twice for The Last Family from 2016 and A Cat with a Dog from 2018. Yes, she is suspicious of Daniel, but by the end, uh, not so suspicious of Daniel, really. <laughs> Forgives and lets go. It's about forgiving kind of a big arc of the film, I would say. Yeah, the, the overall arc is is about facing the past and and forgiving others. And through forgiveness, learning a way to move forward from whatever that is that happened in your past. Suppose most people who go through challenging relationships, like if, you, if you have had a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then you have to let them go or they let you go. I think most people would like to suppress those memories that you share together. Well, painful memories all together. And, yeah. and with painful, at times, also the bittersweet ones. I suppose um, I've tried to always find a different pathway here. Because it's, it's something that happened, it's your history, it's also something that made you who you are through those experiences, I don't feel that there is a benefit of simply forgetting it because you don't forget it anyway. In my case, I actually try to go try to go through a hell of a lot of that stuff and even embrace the great times that were shared. You know, just understand what happened and move on, which is what they do in this film. I think you should touch the uncomfortable topics to move on. Yeah, some of them do, not all of them. And those who don't do it kind of in the end gets get eaten up by the situation. This is something that plays out through the character of Bonus, who starts the film with an axe to grind with Daniel over his dead brother and never actually lets that one go. And at the end and then the film finally ends up with a fight between Bones and Daniel where Bones gets his goddamn head caved in. Yeah. I believe it's Eliza who is by the memorial board and Daniel comes to say hi but she runs away from Daniel without showing her face. Yeah, I I took it that the mystery figure at the memorial board would have been the the wife of the driver of the other car, the person that basically the whole village anonymously blames for, for the accident. Yeah, that's probably it. Here we get some of these challenging situations regarding religion. Once again, there is the quote, God planned to kill seven people, she asks, and as the conversation is turning to certain Cuba, Swavex picture is missing from the board. They visit Cooper's grave because Savek hasn't been allowed to be buried at the town cemetery because the whole town play, blames Savek for the accident. Correcto. Elisa smokes, cries, says, Kurva, kurva, kurva. Everybody has some bad habits going on. And there's a nightly board gathering. Daniel holds a speech and says that what God did was unfair, cruel, stupid even. 
people are raising their eyebrows a bit. We don't understand why you did that. We are furious. Though that would kind of backfire immediately, but somehow it doesn't. Morning Mass. There are themes such as how easy it is to lose faith. And a quote regarding the baby. Just take a look. That is a miracle. This is the kingdom of heaven on earth. The one we are reading so much about in the gospel. It's not up there, distant in time and space. It's right here, right now. He gets applauded. Sexton doesn't look too impressed, though, but then claps anyway. And throws holy water on himself. Now this uh, Father Goomp calls and says that he has to be away a little bit longer for some electrical stimulation of his neck. And Daniel is not really happy about it, but then stays longer. Cut to Techno Daniel. This is a very modern approach. Listens to Techno and does biceps and cooks and somebody knocks on the door. Daniel is now to see a sick woman, a dying old lady, and holds her hand. Not very convincingly, then says that you will not die. She dies. The film kind of suggests that uh, he is sitting there for hours and hours and hours as the sun is already rising. Could be also something that he actually does, seeing how that might be. Maybe the second time in Daniel's life when he experiences the moment of death and someone passing. Yeah, uh, it's quite a powerful scene. Kind of an ode it to is forgiving. A, it, it does propose quite good question about what is the role of a, of of the priest in 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 the community that he sees over what what is he actually there to do when you think about priests you typically the first image is just someone who stands in front of the audience in in the church and and quotes the bible and that that's that but in the end, the, in the priesthood, there are a hell of a lot of other aspects, but the priest is also looked upon as someone who is the emotional guide and also the source of, of practical wisdom within his or her community. That's something that plays out with Daniel in the memorial board scenes where, where Daniel's kind of unorthodox messages his pr- the prayers that he he prays in front of the board are e- even though they are somewhat shocking because they outright comfort god and and even ac- accuses god but they are something that is in tone with the emotions of the villagers that that feeling of anger and that that questioning of what actually is god's plan and that's something that priest actually is supposed to do within his community he's also someone who is expected to have answer on those moments like to explain what is the god's plan in any given tragedy why did god allow this to happen and in, in the same way as we now see in the deathbed scene they, they in here the priest's role is to be someone who is by your side comforting you on the moment of your death and is someone who witnesses your death so that you wouldn't have to quote unquote die alone. And you can actually ask exactly how fair that is towards the priest. Like, do you have the right to demand that the priest has to be there and has to take upon himself the emotional shoulder of seeing you die? Yeah, and it's a 
kind of interesting how Daniel is there to course correct the approach of the city towards this incident and still kind of starts to unravel and and uh, dig into the whole the whole thing by kind of being selfish and maybe perhaps even overtly curious and kind of exceeding his authority you could say in situations where he's really dancing on the line whether is where this is a good thing whether he should keep out of the situation because he indeed doesn't have all the facts when he starts the investigation might just do more damage than he should also challenges the the goddamn mayor of the town yeah i i, I don't know if if he's Exceeding his authority in the matter, he most definitely he is on the line, and you are correct that in in the film Daniel's actions play out for the better, and they do help the help the town to recover emotionally. But but you are right that Daniel's actions could have taken another turn, and they may have made the whole situation much much more more worse. For the townspeople, but that's still something that the priest essentially is expected to do. Priests often are looked upon as an as a source of an emotional and practical guidance in hardships and around questions where you yourself doesn't have the answers to. In that sense, when Daniel here plays a certain type of emotional detective trying to uncover what has happened and trying to take part in in somehow course correcting the town that is very much what the priest is supposed to do and and by doing that daniel actually is is exercising what is expected of him and he is correctly exercising his authority in the matter it is rumored that there will be a sequel to the film which will go through another village where the people are very concerned about this current plague that is happening and they are bombarding the priest about the questions about covid-19 and how long is it going to still play out and well no but i can imagine easily that this is something of a real life scenario well where people <laughs> are overtaxing their poor priests with these questions because it's quite a biblical situation isn't most it? likely yeah yeah and and li- like with everything that that kind of sucks in your life if if you are in faith you can very easily ask well, what the hell is god doing what wh- what is the great plan in in this case yeah i kind of love to see that it looks like kind of all countries of all religions are still respecting the virus to an extent that they are shutting down masks and i was expecting that you know they would take a little bit more time in the at least in the more conserv- conservative muslim communities to shut down the doors but they did that pretty quick yeah when when it comes to pandemias there there is kind of a funny discourse that goes on with religious communities and and basically the rest of the world or or the scientific community Scientific, when things are good, when the status quo is in intact, scientific communities often are under attack from the more extremely religious front. In in West, we see this how Christianity often comforts science, comforts 
things like vaccination and vaccines and others and such. But then again, whenever a global health crisis like COVID-19 or or SARS or any other pandemia hits this hits the fan, all of a sudden then there there the the voices are being raised in mass to ask and demand the scientific community to come up with a solution, a new vaccination or. Or, or some kind of a medicine that will fix the situation. Yeah, except during little debacles such as the Black Death, people were not really trying to self-isolate their homes. On the contrary, they would go to the churches to pray for... Well, Black, Black Death, the time period all, all together was pretty funny back in the day. Very funny. Like, but, yeah, like... like People had lost and had to refine small things like personal hygiene. Of course, of of course, this is something that didn't really play out during the Black Death, and everybody just expected that God will solve the de- fucking plague back in those days. But we are now talking about the more modern, more civilized societies of today. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, she dies, and at least her earthly edition, and Elisa and her friend are sitting on the bench, and Lydia notices Elisa smoking. That's what I got here, because she bangs the door, which suggests emotions like anger. And the girls run to the memorial board where Daniel is on fire. Inhale, exhale, and shouting, letting out all of that anger and emotions, the same stuff that was in the juvie. One goes a little bit extreme there, like, you whore! While Elisa is overlooking. I don't know, and at this situation, like, new priest comes to my town, and having all these unorthodox uh, techniques for the people, I mean, I, I would probably be like, oh my god. But Elisa is... looks like she appreciates this. Back to techno Daniel with bike. It's kind of a questionable whose bike it actually is, but there's a bike. Seems that he's taking care of it. Might be my favorite shot, Techno Daniel. Yeah. Valkievich, the mayor, comes to shake hands. Uh, Valkievich says he owns the sawmill. This is a bit of a kind of a side story here about the sawmill. But all in all, the intention here is to get uh, Daniel essentially back into trouble, to get the guy back to the sawmill so that uh, he can get in contact back with Pincher, Pincher, Stincher, that guy. I, I don't know if, if the mayor was doing that on purpose or if that was just a nasty accident that unfortunately befall on, on Daniel. Oh, wow. Well, you, uh, you are into these well, conspiracy theories. Huh? Well, in, in the end, in the end, the mayor really, like... In this scene, what Mayor is asking, he's asking Daniel, who he believes is the is the town priest for the moment, to come and bless the new new side building of of his sawmill operation, and that's something that is not completely unheard of, especially in more in smaller religious communities. Not at all, and it's it's very common in Poland. Now you see pictures of priests going to bless the fucking McDonald's, so I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. So in in on on that regard, I I can see that this is this, this could just be you know honest to God, 
favor that favor that the mayor is asking from Danielle and not so much an attempt to get Danielle somehow past it. Or maybe the mayor is working for the Juby. Hmm. This is some kind of well, a sick game. He very much could also be doing that because the mayor is directly actually benefiting from the Juby since mm-hmm. he's Oh, but basically, as far as I understood, most, if not all, of his workforce comes from the Juby. And it, it is, in, in the end of the film, uh, Daniel remarks that it's, it, it would be Spincher that, that rats, rats him out to the authorities. And Pincher's reaction in, in face of the accusations really does kind of paint him in the bad light. That out of the way, it's it's never really made clear who exactly actually uncovers that Daniel isn't really a priest and and who is the person or the persons that that contact the authorities. Yeah, well, we see Pincher in the cafeteria near the end of the film before the bonus fight. We do, we do, and that's where I was what I was referring to when I said that. Yeah that his reaction doesn't paint him in the good light. But there, of course, there is a possibility that someone else might have also contacted maybe the Juby, maybe the priest who is a personal friend of, of the mayor, or maybe the cops and ask them to look up on Daniel or look up on the new priest in the town. Most definitely, they are numerous people within the town who react to Daniel and Daniel's and and the way how Daniel operates in the way that it's very easy to see that any one of those people would try to get Daniel into trouble. The mayor outright threatens Daniel with ramifications if Daniel goes against his wishes and doesn't do what what the mayor demands. So on, on in in that way, there there really is there really is is more than one character who would have an axe to grind with Daniel and and who could make the act of of either ratting Daniel out or complaining about Daniel to the proper authorities or or his superiors. Ship bar, or what essentially apparently is some kind of a bar in the real location of Tabashova in Małopolski Wojewodship in Poland. Relatively close to the main filming location town. This uh, ship bar at the lake where we now go to. Daniel wants to act casual with the group there. They're talking about sex. There's this discussion about this dead Maciek, the porno king, who also died in the accident. And uh, Some of them accuse Maciek for from beyond the grave for taking the opposite lane while drunk. Of course, they don't know what really happened. He threatened to kill some people, and the drunkenness is the proposed reason why the vicar didn't want the photo of him on the memorial board. Elisa didn't go to the funeral of uh, his brother somehow. And then we go to whole techno mode on the boat, techno boat. They visit Kuba's grave. It's revealed that the widow's husband was the driver from the other car. And the widow has completely withdrawn from society. So Daniel tries to go talk to the widow and then gets this friendly fuck off as a response. And Yuhor, the Kurvo, is written on the foundation stone of the building. 
Then there's a discussion in the mayor's car about the new wing, and the mayor asks, actually gonna orders to let the whole incident go, to have some, and wants to have some kind of a humility. In, and in Daniel's mind, yeah, he can kind of do what the hell he ever pleases. You may have power, but I'm the one on the right. You may be right, but I'm the one on who has power. Opening ceremony. Uh, Daniel <laughs> kind of immediately takes matters into his hands and uh, gives revenge for this mayor as he puts everybody on their knees in this muddy area for the short prayer about greed, which of course is the reference for the whole situation in the town. Inside the sawmill, Daniel notices that the bully, big bully with the tattoo on his neck is there. Daniel panic packs actually, but then decides to say, stay anyway. In garage, we see the video of Cuba. Daniel knows that the, the regular tests never show any drugs in the blood, and Elisa is kind of surprised about the, the knowledge level in this field of the priest. They go back to the widow, and now they get in. We go through all the letters that have been sent to her regarding Swavek and the widow. Swavek had been apparently sober for four years, but later she contradicts himself as she tells that that was not really the situation that night. The vicar promises to bury Swavek once things settle down. Burial urn is in the house with a modest little shrine. Once again praying at the memorial. Beautiful cinematography throughout the film. Fincher comes to confess to the confession booth and now is extorting Daniel for 5,000 slotties. If he doesn't pay up, then there's the risk that uh, Daniel will go back to the tubie and the bonus is there to beat him up. Weird start for the mass says this whole I'm a murderer. Then that's the kind of important part in my thoughts. But yeah, that could be the step to something more extreme. And I quote, love someone despite their guilt, no matter what the guilt is. Hmm, that's the tricky part. Say, if I had killed someone, I, I would be probably fine with it if there would be no loving thoughts from my family towards me. Oh, there's the little party time outside and Elisa sings the Across the Lake song as our rock star priest jumps on the stage and informs that the money collected today will be spent entirely on the burial of Swabek Kobielski. Nobody seems to be too happy about that. Now there's the other confession of Pinscher tells to Daniel that uh, he's getting beating in the juvie also wants to kind of get out. Shockingly, indeed, nobody has still found Daniel or Pincher. Once again, it's back to the picture memorial where the townspeople don't, don't, don't agree with the burial at all and the use of their money for this. So Elisa and Daniel are sharing the letters they've sent to the widow. And there is one of these towns guys uh, who stops Daniel on the road and then kind of headbangs the guy to the ground. Now back at the apartment, uh, Elisa wants to stay at Daniel's quarters. They share a kiss and there's uh, sex under iconography. Quite iconic. And things get kind of uh, heated. Not in a sexy or a fight kind of way, but the garage shack is on fire. Now police gets involved. Elisa makes an excuse about the ID of Daniel. She's smart to play that card, but the lie is still really weak about the whole washing machine eating up the ID and the wallet. Yeah, mo more than that, the problem for Daniel here is that, that one of the two cops that show up at the, at the scene 
is actually the same cop that Daniel all met in 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 the bus without him to put put out his cigarette in the start of the film. So this is the this is the familiar faces reappearing in Daniel's life and and kind of kind of the moment when his lie starts to run out. Okay, so the same guy, nicely observed. So it's not the toy police after all. The mayor is playing along, asking how to report the incident. It depends on Daniel how it's going to go down, of course. And this is the moment where the shit needs to be faced. As widow Eva, Lydia, Daniel and the mayor are around the table to solve this conflict once and for all. So the mayor agrees that the reasonable compromise should be reached. That the Suavex's funeral should happen, but in return his photo should be hanged on the board. And Daniel strongly articulates that he should be buried there. Lydia claims he was a murderer. Daniel raises his voice, which you kind of maybe shouldn't do. And Daniel accidentally blurts out the state in which the victims were. Eliza insists that they were sober. And Lydia wishes the vicar would return so that this madness would end. But Eva reveals privately to Daniel that she did have an argument with his son Swavek. She threw her out and said he'd kill himself if she'd not let her in, and she did nothing. So yeah, she didn't mention anything about alcohol, but there was an argument which could have led to this accident. Yeah, the the note to take for, for our listeners on the subject matter is that and who caused the crash and and how much fault is is based upon anyone? It's never actually solved in the film. The film plays the whole crash as as kind of, kind of a mystery element, like in in your typical detective story. But it never actually reaches any kind of a conclusion where any one of the characters would in the end figure out that no, it was this person's fault. Yeah. It plays kind of exactly as this Smolensk air disaster. As far as I know, nobody really got to know. And in a similar way, this film is clearly here to tell something that it you should just let it go. There's the funeral of Swabek finally, and uh, they are walking past the mayor's house. Daniel invites everyone to a farewell mass, but it turns out that the father Thomas is uh, in the crowd and then meets privately with Daniel and... Uh, Tells Daniel to pack his things. And Daniel asks if Pincher was the one who ratted him out. Juvie Priest now wants to take Daniel to Curia. Curia to see the bishop. Elisa can see what's going on. Juvie Priest takes a look at all the pictures where Daniel is with the townspeople. Seems like he has been there for a very long time. Or a lot of things have happened in a very short amount of time. Daniel escapes via the window of course. And there's some smacking now back in the back room of the church because Thomas follows Daniel there. And Daniel swears that no one else than Pincher knew that he was here. Of course, he can't really know that. But from his perspective, that's how it is. And the Chuvi priest proceeds to set it up so that Daniel's holidays are over and he has to leave. And then and he can never tell anyone about this whole experience. Now, of course, you know, Daniel thinks that this is something he deems once again unfair and something to be set right. So he goes in front of the church stage and shows his tattooed and bruised body. And now everybody knows and there's nothing that Thomas can do about it. While 
Daniel walks out of the church, Lydia is crying, gets very emotional and looks like she's really impressed about everything that he has done. Says, God bless you. So that's her arc, kind of completed. Kind of, there is any more only tying up the loose end between Lydia and, and the widow. Yeah, well, we never kind of get there. Well, we do get when the widow finally is allowed get into the church. Like that's that's meant to be the culmination of that arc. The town and Lydia finally forgive the widow and welcome her back into the community. She was there as a crowd. She shows up in in the final church scene after this one. Like when we have that, that small short montage of, of things that happen. That That's the moment when the widow finally okay. com- comes to the church. She stays or, or doesn't sit down for quite some time. They make eye contact with Lydia. Lydia, after some time, nods her head to the widow. And that's the mark that, yes, the widow can en- enter the church and take a seat. But it's back to the juvie. And Pincher says they're not friends, and Daniel is not able to sit next to him. Daniel says he sold him, as we discussed, and then he Daniel gets to know that you're in for a slam tomorrow. So, Quite interestingly, interestingly Daniel protests and ignores the prayer in the, in the canteen, just keeps on dining. So he is past a certain amount of bullshit. He just seems to live by his principles as well as he can. And uh, set right what he sees as wrong. The vicar has returned. This is slightly intercut with the juvie scenes. A lie is spread about a boy who cut himself in the shed. Maybe that happened. That probably did. So they are able to buy time and set up this bonus. Versus Daniel. Round one fight. And Daniel seems to win this one. Gets heavily, heavily beaten to the head, but runs away as the sirens go berserk. Yeah, it's 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 clear that Daniel wins the fight. What happens after that is it's kind of a left up obscure. Yeah. It, it it almost looks like basically all the other Juvies gang up on now beaten bones and and set the bastard on fire. Oh, that would warm my very Christian heart. No, but it's very open-ended because the film ends here. It, it, it ends, and, and you you are not shown what the fuck actually is going on. Yeah, this left you a little bit in this stage of, okay, that's it. Yeah, roll credits. But as we stated out, this is going the full circle without really completing everything that was included in the circle. But anyway, more than likely, he found out that there was nothing to learn in being a priest. And him being sent back to the Juvie means that there are miracle shortcuts or no one up there to save anyone. I don't know. I I would argue that Daniel actually learns a hell of a lot while being a priest. Yeah, it could also be that... He learned some life values, as I said, but it's kind of a doggy dog world out there. It's every man for themselves, and even though you managed to be in this priesthood, you were once again put back to where you were coming from. 
Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, but that's not really any any kind of a fault on on the, on the side of the church. Like that, no. that was eventable for Daniel, kind kind of a, from the day one. Yeah, just, it's it's even even made clear for Daniel. Well, you can read it in a way that this is something that Daniel doesn't deserve the priesthood, or is it something that you just didn't happen to get because life is a collection of random occurrences? Well, I I would say more more than that. The reason why Daniel can't really get priesthood is because life also is taking responsibility and having to deal with your past mistakes. Daniel has made a mistake. Getting a person is a goddamn mistake, pretty royal one also, and that's the reason why Daniel can't become a priest because the church doesn't take a murderer amidst their ranks, or at least they are not willing to do uh, do that in in Daniel's case, or that's at, at least what the Juvi priest tells him. But they sure are willing to give other positions in the church, not just the priesthood but everything else is on the table well yeah did he did, did he really kill a guy well daniel's bully makes the case that he did mm-hmm. and daniel himself half confesses he he states out in 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 front of the whole crowd that he's a murderer of course after that he he spins it the, the way that i've i've killed people in my mind but with t- taken with the police ac- accusations towards Daniel, I I read it as such. Yeah, Daniel has killed Bonus's brother at some point. Well, there it is, as open-ended as it is. I do believe uh, just overall that Daniel learned a lot of valuable lessons. But um, I don't know how it is in in the end of the film. Has he grown more connected? towards the church or has he grown some distance towards the church or is it just the juvie church and the priest that he feels animosity towards so trying to take himself away from those situations yeah it's it's that that's hard to say because the film is way too open-ended yeah but i myself i i don't see the the ending in the way that daniel would have grown Terribly distant from the church either. Yeah, no. But the church kind of turned its back on him. Right? I don't see that. Like, like sure, that the church didn't accept his fake priesthood. Mm. But then again, why would it? Because he said a lot of things straight here he, as well. He, he did, but then again... What does that measure up to? Like, are you... Simply because you you did a good thing, are you automatically then allowed an official seal of, of an approval? Should church change its rules simply because Daniel made a good thing in the town? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the American story arc that should happen right now. This is a Polish film, so... Oh, yeah. There's that. Let's talk about the deleted scenes. There's a few on the Blu-ray. Uh, there's a Tartak scene. Well, Tartak, which means sawmill scene. And not sure where this scene belongs exactly, but there's a scene where Daniel goes to a small sawmill and outside and Pincher is there alone. 
and they give each other some good smacking. And finally, Daniel is the underdog and runs away from the situation. <laughs> that That's it. There's a second deleted scene, the Costiele at the church, where this is somewhere in the beginning of the film, I guess, where Daniel is, Daniel is observing the mass of priests in the church and they retreat to the back room with Lydia and she laughs shyly at something that the priest says. There's no subtitles, so I'm not going to say more. Business and premiere. So this premiered last year, 2019, Venice Film Festival. And at Venice Days, the film won the Europa Cinema's Label Award and the Edipo Re-Inclusion Award, selected as the Polish entry for the best international film, as said, and 92nd Academy Awards and made the final nomination. Got very positive reviews, mostly around the four-star out of five mark. I think the film could have pushed some things more strongly, maybe building some more backstory, maybe trying to tie some of the loose ends a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with leaving it open-ended, but it was for a hell of a open-ended indeed. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get that feeling myself. Mm. But what defines then a good deed? He did plenty of good deeds, but that was not enough to save him and stay in the fake priesthood. There's a lot of great themes. How can we believe blindly like this? And one reviewer said that, quote, this makes a compelling case that if people feel heard, trust and compassion can easily follow. And the same review stated that this is a movie about dreams and deceit. And that it preaches without being preachy. Quote, by the time the movie decides to come full circle, it's setting up a climatic shot that's a hundred watt jolt. It also somehow makes perfect sense. Salvation isn't the final destination. It's a journey. End quote. Hmm. I just thought that the ending was more about the earthliness of our situation in the film. It's not so much about the religion for me. It's about the themes that are around the religion. The, all the very humane things that connect us. But you can read what you want. Favorite performance, Henrik? Uh, that would go to Bardos Bilenial, who plays Daniel. Easily the most, the strongest performance of the film. Yeah, that's what most people say. There was something incredibly charismatic also about Stiswav Vardane's performance, who was playing Father Tomas. But Bartosz Bielenia it is. Favorite shot? Uh, like I said, uh, the cinematography is quite solid. It's a pleasureful to see how smoothly the, the focus point between the shot and the cuts happen. It's very simple but detailed. You know, the background stays in a pretty golden cut and then stays animated even in the background when it's out of focus. But with with that said, I would choose something like this. The favorite shot is when the Lydia sits in the church and turns her head slightly to to shift her focus to something happening around the entrance of the church. Uh, and there the background is out of focus. So I don't have a time code, nothing mind-blowing in any way. It's just something that got stuck in my mind. So... Yeah, I, I take the same shot. Yeah. 
Well, favorite scene? Uh, would be everybody kneeling in the mud in during the opening of the Sawmills extension. Yeah. Well, I'm very visually oriented person. Well, I guess everybody kind of is really. But but with uh, that, I would gravitate towards the ship scene. Kind of like the location. Uh, favorite line? It would go to the mayor of the film. You might be right, but I'm the one who has power. As that's something how the situations really is are in in your everyday life. Mine would be. This that I mentioned, just take a look. That is a miracle. This is the kingdom of heaven and earth. The one we are reading so much about in the gospel. It's not up there. Distant in time and space. It's right here, right now. No, ale spójrzcie, no, to jest cud. To jest królestwo niebieskie na ziemi, o którym tyle czytamy w Ewangelii. I nigdzie jest tam, kiedyś, tam, tylko tu i teraz. Favorite kill. Bam bonus who gets his rotten corpse set on fire. <laughs> well, somehow I missed that part on uh, in the movie, so I will just go with the old lady. Sorry for the entire nation of Poland for that one, but there's not much to where to choose from. Well, random confusing. Did you ever want to disappear, Henrik, and start over with a new life and identity and maybe take a cosplay role a bit like Daniel. More times than I can actually count. Yeah, it's not uncommon at all for people to just disappear and go away at I don't know, maybe not to make a new identity, but just to start an, a life anew. What drew you out? Uh, nothing really. Yeah, nothing, but no, perhaps there could have been more emotion in places, maybe during the masses. It's a hard to say. I don't really have any criticisms. What drew you in? Would be Biennial's performance. Yeah. For me, it's the, the visual side. It's beautifully shot. Everything fits together like pieces of a pretty puzzle. And yeah, great performances. But what would you change in the film? How would you improve the film in the Scissors of Sacrilege section? I don't have that much to change or... or with the film um uh, something i felt that i may have done a bit differently i may have played out the mystery aspect of the car crash more Ma- make the, the 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 element or, or the feeling of mystery and and the feeling of of solving quote unquote the case kind of a more tangible throughout the film but that's mm. kind of a minor note from my end, no any kind of a, no big drastic changes from my part. On my part, uh, each time I end the film, I've seen it now twice. Uh, I'm looking for more closure for the Daniel's character, but concurrently, I understand why they did it like that, and I can appreciate this ending. And it, in this way, it also kind of seals the deal. But if not Daniel, there is a lot of char- characters that you could have played around with still. But um, three adjectives to describe the film. Mine are sad, moody, and quiet. Okay. Attractive, thoughtful, open-ended. Uh, did you look at your watch? Nope. Nope. Eric, would you recommend Boże Ciao? I, on, on my part, most definitely would recommend the film. 
I do feel that it is one of the better films made about about Christianity in the sense that this is more about questions and not so much about answers nor feelings like how it feels to be a priest. The film more tries to to ask a questions what what is expected of or from a priest and or, or more clearly what is demanded from the priest and are those demands are, are they okay can you demand so much from a person it's also uh, in in my opinion it's pretty good depiction of faith in, in the sense that it does look at how faith might operate within a community and what faith might mean to a person what losing a faith can mean to someone and how easy it can be to lose that faith and on on top of that even even if you are not so interested about the philosophical and theological questions and you wouldn't want to check the film because of those on top of that, the film itself, it's pretty easy watch. There are a lot of different genres playing out. It's it's part drama, it's part mystery, it's, it's even part whodunit. So there's a lot to gain from this film. And I do feel that it is a movie that if you watch it, you won't have a dull time. I felt it it's a, it's a movie that works for everybody in the family. The religious, the non-religious, somebody who is kind of in the middle. There's something to say for everybody and leaves so many things open or things to think about that it works and somehow manages to make me emotional and engaged with the the tragedies and concerns, even if I'm not a believer at all. And there's something very human in it that way. Everyone is trying to overcome the hate and anger and all these negative emotions and by the end I I think they mostly do overcome them and and with that said I wish that the people of Poland could try to do the same regarding the real national tragedy I mean it's your tragedy very much yours but it's okay to look for answers always but maybe let go of the hate and the fear you really know you're watching Bozo Chiao when... Seeing how this is kind of the enlightened individual film for priests, I would say that every every priest who is stuck in some bumfuck nowhere feels that they are watching the film. <laughs> you really know you're watching Corpus Christi when a film tackling with religious themes makes you connect emotionally with the film. And the feelings aren't even hatred. I'm up for a trip to the shooting location. I'd have to do that sometime. Do you know? Many places to visit. Thanks to this podcast. You're soon running out of time when it comes to Poland. Yeah, well, well. I can... Yeah. Yeah, that, that might be yeah, a problem. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You can't. Yeah, because can't. once you leave, they won't <laughs> le- allow you to re- re-enter. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, would it be time to throw away our lab coats maybe try to sell sell them as something that the priest would wear maybe it would be time for that finally as a as a great relief to our listeners yeah the episode is once again ending 
But Henrik, what is our next film? I don't know. Is it once again something international? Mm-hmm. Let's go hunting, Henrik. It's time to hunt in God's year 2020. As we revisit the Parasite star Joy Wushik and travel back to South Korea that we all love very much in this podcast. That, that might be the second newest film that we have ever tackled on the podcast. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't re- yet managed to touch on a film that was released on the same year, I think, that we're doing an episode. Well, we did that with Halloween. Oh, yes. Something, something, something. Yeah. One of those many Halloweens. All right. Yeah, th- this is going to be a exciting uh, thriller for our listeners, I hope. Finally a film that the buggers can actually see. Finally a film that the buggers will, are able to actually see and are probably willing to see. As we touch on something that is kind of a more mainstream in the area of international cinema. We, we truly are becoming sellouts. Hmm. And this First is... we take money and now we are tackling with, with mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> look at the situation. We are able we, to... We, 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 <laughs> we, can, we can fucking end the podcast now. We, we have achieved everything you can achieve as a podcast host. Yeah, but look at the possibilities. We can actually <laughs> provide a direct link not only to our episode, but to the film if you have a Netflix subscription. But yeah, Haven't, haven't, haven't you... Taking a note from from Daniel from the movie Corpus Christi, you know, at, at this point when you achieve everything, there's nothing more to go from except downhill and getting caught. No, 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 no. This is this is uh, Daniel leaving behind his goddamn religions and going on a hunt. The spiritual sequel to this episode. So I, I'm 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 guessing guessing film religion and Daniel doesn't work like you say they they were. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. This is like the, this is like the misrepresentation of the umpteenth level going on here. Uh, I'm trying to make preachers the best I can here. <laughs> so just suck it up for some Korean cinema next time. And in the meantime, and in the between timers, you can find us on the places that I have mentioned. We're on socialistic media, and we have a website to add to the misery of heavy internet. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you use it, and leave us one star. I mean, five stars. <laughs> or, 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 or know, knowing that knowing that listener feedback that we to get, please, please, just don't leave a rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do it some. Do it on your own website. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave a rating on some other film podcast. <laughs> Hey, thanks for stopping by. It's uh, good to look at the, one of these new, newer flicks every once in a while. And next week, join us for some action-packed hunt, which will probably get your pulse racing quite a bit. We'll see about that. Or is it just the case that uh, it's Henrik going to be hunting this film and shutting it down? <laughs> see you next week. Until then. Under then, under then, under, under, under then. No.
Ja ka, ka sen nauhoitus.